Listener Production. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of That's Enough Already with me, Ursula Carlson. This week I'm chatting to Tony Martin and he does the podcast Sizzletown, which of course you'd all know about. It's award-winning. It is amazing. It's Tony and Matt Dower. And um, that drops on Thursdays with its problematic content. We talk about uh, the really important stuff like the proper term for jandals and why we believe trumpets and ginger nuts are the elite snack. If you don't know what they are, go educate yourself. Honestly, go do your own research right now. Tony also shares his experience of living on a boat for three months and the most unusual item that was thrown on stage during one of his sets. I mean, I didn't see it coming. But the real golden nugget of the episode is the item he found in Ed Cavalier's boot. You'll never guess what it is. I mean, I could give you a hint, but it's really romantic. You have to listen. Enjoy. That's quite enough. Oh, just, just shut your mouth. I don't give a stuff. Shush, please. Uh, uh, yes, I can hear. But I don't care. That's enough already. Shut up. Oh, shush. You're from Tikawiri. Yes. Uh, the Buzzing sheep, metropolis. It's known as the sheep-sharing capital of the world, not just of New Zealand, but the entire world. So that means it is really ground zero for all those terrible sheep jokes that people love yeah. to make in, well, in Australia. Yeah, or is that where it comes, you know, the the nugget of truth? Because most jokes come from a nugget of truth. Yeah. <laughs> is that where the nugget of truth comes from? I never saw any suspicious sheep related. Tony, who, what was your first girlfriend's name? <laughs> oh, oh, God. I guess <laughs> there's so many more. More sheep in Australia, for God's sake. I mean, if it's going on, it's going on here, surely. That's what also, I was just in the UK and I'm like, how dare they? Yes. How dare they ever make a sheep shagging joke yeah. when I look at those sheep and they are sexy as hell. It's- <laughs> <laughs> They're just there on the highlands in Scotland. You're like, get out, down. They are hot. <laughs> They're on Tinder over there. <laughs> yeah. Even though I live in New Zealand now and I have for like 15, 16 years, I still kind of go, it's, there's not that much difference. It's like a different state. But I mean, I get that it's different, but it's like the same kind of difference as I feel in Tasmania towards Australia. Exactly. But what about words and phrases? Because I've lived here for 40 years, but I will still accidentally refer to the milk bar as the dairy. Which, yeah, because what the fuck is a milk bar? That doesn't make any more sense. I've never said milk bar. <laughs> what about your uh, those thongs you're wearing or flip-flops? What are you calling them? No, I call those jandals. Although I don't wear those because I value my life. <laughs> right. No, because, you know, like you ha- you don't understand. When you don't grow up with jandals or thongs or flip-flops or whatever the hell you call it, right. you don't know how to use them. No. Like they are very dangerous. So I grew up on a game farm where there's scorpions and snakes oh and shit. God. You can't wear open shoes. you got to wear proper shoes. No. Um, and so the first time I owned a pair of jandals, I was living in New Zealand. Wow. And I didn't know that you can't go, you can only go forward in those shoes. Yes. There's no yes. sideways, there's no backwards, no, there's no, no, and there c- can be no moisture, no. there can be no, like, every, you don't realise how every single element needs to be perfect for those shoes to work. <laughs> that's right. And, of course, no snakes. That, that's something that fascinates Australians yeah. about New Zealand. There are no snakes. Yeah, nothing poisonous. Nothing can kill you. There's, I think, one poisonous spider. 
No, it can make you, we've got the white tail. It can kill you, I guess, if your immune system is really weak. Right. But then so can a mosquito with a can-do attitude. (laughs) But um, no, it it makes you, like it can make you sick and it gives you a lump on your face and they go, oh, that's a white tail bite. Right. But that's that's just why they go, oh, that's a white tail bite. Better keep an eye on that. That's how they treat that. There's the sharks, because I spent a lot of time at sea when I was living in New Zealand and there was the, the hammerhead shark was fairly uh I don't does the hammerhead attack you? I'm not sure. No, I think it just does home reno. <laughs> it just does bad <laughs> reno. But I remember when, when you're at school in New Zealand, you were always told if you're attacked by a shark in the sea, you're supposed to punch it in the nose. Now yeah. I don't know if, how you would wind up a punch underwater. That doesn't seem practical. But then, and also a hammerhead, where is the nose on that? Is it at the front or on the side? The eyes are on the side of the hammer. It's very hard yeah. to know where you would begin to... <laughs> to yeah, I don't want to be underwater with my leg in the shark's mouth going, which bit is in the nose? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now I'm anatomically trying to examine this shark. No, actually, I just had... Um, I took the kids, my mum lives in Tauranga. I always go in the water with the kids, you know, being from Africa. yes. I just saw a fisherman on the wharf just yell something. And, you know, like I couldn't hear the word he was yelling, but I I heard the pitch of what he was yelling. (laughs) Right. And I was like, there's a shark. And there was another kid in the water too, and his parents were nowhere near. And I just went, get out. (laughs) But the way I said get out made, you better make sure there was no way for anyone to mistake. This was an emergency situation. This was not a drill. And they all got out immediately. Yes. It was, uh, yeah, but then the fact, this is so Kiwi. This is how New Zealand it is. So I, I get my kids out of the water. Like I went in, um, like I met them halfway, grabbed them and sort of, you yep. know, whipped them out of the water. This other kid was a bit, say about 12, right? Right. So I get him out of the water and he's real pissed off that I got him out of the water. I'm not even kidding, Tony. That shark was within metres of these children, like two metres from these children. Right. So um, I go, dude, there's a shark in the water. And then his mum comes wandering up um, and she goes, are you going to swim because we're leaving in 10 minutes? <laughs> and he goes, and it's a really hot day. And he goes, this lady got me out. And she goes, leave him alone. We're going to leave in 10 minutes. And I said, there's a shark. And she goes, yeah, well, he's not a fish. Go swim. And then he just got back in the water. Why did you spend so much time in the water? Well, I had my stepdad had a, a boat, a launch, uh, and he yeah. was an amateur marlin fisherman. And so he had one of those boats, you know, with the big arms on the back and the chair that you sit oh, in. Oh, shit, yeah. Jaws. And we'd go out to sea. We lived at sea for like three months of the year while he tried to catch a swordfish or a marlin. Never caught anything. And one of the saddest days was we pulled into a place called Tutakaka and yeah. uh, a bloke. Beautiful in Tutakaka, by the way. And he, this guy caught like a giant shark, like a 10-foot shark, and it was hanging from a crane. And oh. my stepdad paid him like 50 bucks to let our family be photographed with this shark. And then when we got back oh, to Thames where I lived, we all had yeah. to pretend that Dad had caught this shark. Oh, no, Very that sad. is tragic. Very that is sad. the saddest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> you know, I still can't find it. And my mum once caught an eight-foot hammerhead shark and she was just, you know, sitting in the chair having a go at it and this shark gets on the line, she starts reeling it in. It's an eight-foot hammerhead. And, of course, Dad has to push her out of the way and go, oh, I'll reel this one in, love. <laughs> 
So that it looked oh like he caught God, it. That's so sick. It was pathetic. That's my brother-in-law is that guy. He <laughs> buys all the equipment. He watches all these fishing things on YouTube. Could not, could not catch shit. It, like he's never caught anything. Never. As a nerd, as a, a nerd child at sea, the, the novelty of the ocean wore off very quickly and I was I just bet. keen to get into port and row. All I remember is constantly rowing ashore to go to the movies. <laughs> I just couldn't uh, get to the next place that has comics or movies. Yeah. What did you do on the boat, like, to entertain yourself? It was the radio. That's how I ended up in radio because all it was was radio comedies. And I don't know what they play on New Zealand radio now, but in the 70s when I was a kid, it was just all the goon show and things from, like, the 50s in England. It was very odd listening to, to living in New Zealand on a boat at sea and listening to people talking like this, programs where people have these sort of accents. (laughs) That's what I just remember as as a kid in New Zealand. Strange. Do you remember any other – because you started comedy in New Zealand, right? I started doing sketch comedy, but there wasn't really any live – comedy at that time. There's no stand-up comedy at all. I remember one night we went so bad. I think this is as badly as you can go. We're getting no laughs. We're in some sort of rugby club in Tepuki, I think it was. Yeah. And we hear a noise and we see something coming towards the stage. And what happened was members of the audience were so unhappy with the show. They went out to the foyer and they got a giant Maori canoe that was in the foyer, and they charged the stage with it and just heaved it up onto the stage. And I remember thinking, wow. if, if the audience... You got wakkered if, if they're throwing <laughs> boats at you, that's a thumbs down. Wow, yeah, that's a that's a definite nah nah get out. <laughs> so take this walker and fuck off. <laughs> that's right. You had no boats to hurl back at them. So you don't know any New Zealand comics, and then you came over here. So you're like the OG because when I just started coming over to Australia in 2009, I started doing comedy in Australia because I thought everyone was coming over. When I came over in the 80s, if you had a fuck New Zealand accent. I remember just being told, mate, you're not going on here sounding like that. So I had to lock myself in my flat in Brisbane for two weeks yeah. and watch Australian soap operas and try and copy the voices so that I could yeah. do my job. It was very yeah. strange. But now, I yeah. think it's Flight of the Concords. Don't you feel they've made the New Zealand accent kind of cool almost? Yes, 100%. I remember watching their HBO, so it's an American series, and in one episode someone referred to Ginger Nuts Biscuits, and I, it was like a triumph. It was like a great yeah. moment. Yeah, I say Ginger Nut Biscuits. I go, I'd rather have a cup of tea and a ginger nut. <laughs> and um, a few times on stage, I, I, you know when the audience sort of, they don't say anything, but you can feel that they're questioning and they sort of look at each other. And I'm like, you just deal to that. You can go Google that. And on your Google search history, be it. Like, you know, let that be your fucking problem. I had one of those recently. I wanted an ice cream. And, of course, here it's a it's a drumstick or a cornetto. Yeah. But I found myself saying, I'm just going to go into the 7-Eleven and get a trumpet. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. You know what you're going to go and buy a musical instrument from the Seven yeah. Eleven? Hey, you're walking every street in Melbourne. That's right. Is that true? It's a mad project. We're into a uh, year. This is uh, yeah. Me and the partner are doing uh, ev- both sides of every street in Melbourne. We're into year fifteen. We do an hour a day for about. It's usually six days a week, and we've done a quarter of Melbourne, and we're in our fifties. So. 
It's not going to end well. I don't think. No. Have, have you documented? Like, do you have proof that you're doing it? It's funny you say, have we got proof? Because they did a story about us about five years ago on the Channel 9 News. And since then, I've had two occasions where we're walking down a street that's like a no exit street. And then we're yeah. coming back and there's like people out in their front yard. And we go, everything all right? And they go, just making sure you went all the way to the end. Oh, my it's God. Like people are monitoring to make sure we're not cheating. Yeah, because that's what I would do. I would just go, that area there, let's drive that. <laughs> no. We'll ride that with electric bikes. <laughs> well, that's it. We may end up having to complete the job on mobility scooters if we get to yeah. the 90s. But yeah. the, the thing is you we're so obsessed with it that I when I get home, I'll just check the area we've done on Google Maps. And if we've missed a street, we will drive back the next day and just walk that street. So it's we're very um, obsessive compulsive about it. This almost sounds as fucking boring as those people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it does sound boring, but here's the thing: no, no, Tony. <laughs> it's, it, it all happened because we were walking around our local area, and we're getting home. We're going. I didn't notice anything. I didn't, you know, yeah. I got sick of that feelings. But whereas when you yeah. go to streets you've never been to before, it's like it's like you're overseas. It's, it's like you're on a Tony. This is it. normally how stories start with. <laughs> we got so bored, and I felt like I wasn't getting anything new. Yeah. But then we joined a swingers club. <laughs> well, I don't. Have That's to, how it starts. I know you have to build it, for the for the swingers club. The, this feels like the same conversation. There's, there's so little of interest that occurs. I, and you don't see anyone because we do it at 10.30 in the morning and you never see a person. Yeah. Everyone's either at work or inside watching Studio 10 or something. So yeah. I go, oh, this is why. I remember when, I don't know if you've ever been burgled, but we got burgled in yes. the middle of the day and, and you're going, how did no one see anyone walking up the street with a giant yeah. telly? It's because there's no one around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's usually when the mums have dropped the kids off at school, now they're back yeah. and they're sitting on the couch next to the washing, they're not folding, eating all the snacks out of the snack box for the kids and watching murder mysteries on television. Yeah, no, like you can literally take away the whole neighbourhood. They can come yeah. out and go, where did all the houses go? But people think that, you know, it must be, what's the been the highlight, what's exciting that's happened? And you go, well... Uh, I saw a sign for the Elwood uh, Canal Trail and people obviously keep crossing out the uh, C so that it says Elwood Anal Trail. And they go, yeah. right, that's that's the most exciting thing you've seen. I go, yes, that's yeah. literally the most exciting thing we've seen in the last week. There's very little that happens in the street. You got married and I, I, like, I was fascinated to... The first time I found out, um, I was on, have you been paying attention? And then someone goes, you were chatting to Annie. And someone goes, that's his ex-wife. And I go, no. We were married for for many years and then we got divorced. And then a year after we were divorced, I hired her to direct my TV show. Doesn't that sound like the plot of a screwball comedy from the 1930s? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Great. I mean, that sounds as amicable as a, because I thought, oh, there's no way. Like, I've seen divorced people. That ain't it. We were married in Las Vegas uh, in the 90s. Really? Uh, you know, the chapels, you know, those the places. Yeah. Well, we got married at the Little White Chapel, which is the uh, the one that has a drive-through window. So you don't even have to get out of your car. But we did. Oh we went inside oh. and Show it was off. a moving 90-second ceremony. Uh, it was. It took place beneath a large framed uh, picture of Dan Aykroyd, who'd been married there. And the ceremony was conducted by a man wearing 
and I swear this is true, a cowboy hat and a dressing gown, and he's about to do the ceremony and he points at a picture of Joan Collins who'd been married there. And this is how he spoke. He goes, I should tell you, I'm not actually, I'm just the manager of this place. I, I'm not really qualified to do this. I married uh, Joan Collins. I just thought it'd be hilarious to do her, her wedding. I don't even think that's legal. And this is 30 seconds before he's about to marry us. Yeah. <laughs> During oh the ceremony God. that I reckon he was making up as he went along. There was a, I think it was a plug for a buffet in the middle of it, and but nobody <laughs> noticed that because everyone was watching the best man, who was a large sweaty bloke dressed as Elvis, who was yeah. doing karate moves to the tune of that old wedding standard, kung fu fighting. <laughs> oh. I, I assume he was supplied, and that wasn't your best man that you brought along. No, you get a choice of two best at that place. That you could choose the young Elvis or the older Elvis. And we went, let's go with the older one because he'll be fun. He'll be funnier looking. And it was, yeah. it's, it's. I recommend a Las Vegas wedding if you're keen to just spend the whole time laughing your ass off. Because yeah. I remember. Friends of mine were getting married at the time and I always remember a friend of mine who was just exhausted, looked like he'd had no sleep and I'm going, what's going on? And he's, he goes, you know, I'm getting married in six months and I had to go home from work early today to have a discussion about serviette rings. And I'm going, I never want to yeah. have that discussion. So let's yeah. go to Las Vegas. And it was it was yeah. hilarious. I very much recommend it. And your families were fine with it? No, they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> they were furious when they found out. And then I remember about a year later, a lot of them started confessing. They're going, oh, actually, thank God you did that because it's so exhausting having a wedding. <laughs> it is. I hated getting married. Right. I hated the whole whoopla. I put on the invite, just come casual, wear your, wear your um, jandals, wear your shorts, it's fine. No gifts. Um you know, like it's just going to be a party and it was real chill. I only picked a wedding dress on the morning of... You know, I just got a dress out of my cupboard. Um, you know, like it was real cat, but it was still high because I had to get caterers and flowers and I, the fact that I had to make a speech. Oh, yeah. Like, this sucks. You I know, don't want to do this. And it's more pressure than a stand-up gig, isn't it? But I remember, you know, Ed Cavalier from Have You Been Paying Attention, when he was getting yeah. married, I remember he was calling me up all the time going, is five grand too much or too little for flowers? And I'm going, I don't, we didn't have any. And then he's called yeah. up one point and said, uh, the bloke planning our wedding wants me to spend $850 on scented mist so that it smells like our wedding is taking place at a Chinese street market. Is that normal? And I'm going, I don't think it is. I'm not sure. No, 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 no. That is not right. <laughs> Do you want to be signing off on scented mist for your wedding day? No, not especially not Chinese street market. Have you been to a Chinese street market? I'm thinking I'm not sure what that would smell like, but I went now, to his wedding and I don't remember any smells at all, so he's obviously <laughs> given that the guy boss. Well, maybe you've blocked that out. Yeah, he saved that $850. <laughs> Right. God, oh my. what was the food like at Ed's wedding? Because they're both such health nuts. I imagine you each just got a smoothie. It was very uh, healthy food, and I do remember the alcohol uh, ran out far too early because I don't think either of them drink. No, they don't. But, uh, yeah, there was possibly an aerobics demonstration in the middle of it. I mean, they're so yeah. – I remember opening up – I had to get something out of the uh, boot of Ed Cavalier's car, and how's this for romantic? I open up the boot and there were two drums of protein powder and one had Ed on it and one had Tiffany written on it. 
was like his oh, and hers. That's... <laughs> Honestly, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah, he's he's so fit. So is his wife. I'm like, holy shit. When you look at them, you go, I've got to make some changes in my life. But then you walk away from that and you go, no, I'm all right. It doesn't last, that feeling. So you would recommend people get married in Vegas and then you have the best divorce. Yeah, we. Uh, How do you-, you can get a divorce in uh, Las Vegas. You just proceed to the second window. <laughs> so. <laughs> Sometimes you have to park up and they'll bring it out to you when it's ready. That's right. So, yeah, we had a very uh, amicable divorce and, uh, yeah, we're now we're regularly working together. Let me ask you, what's your favourite show you've ever worked on? Favourite show I've ever worked on? Because you've been involved with so many shows. No, I did, um, I think this show was on New Zealand, Thank God You're Here. Yes. You know, you walk through the door and you're in a, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, not to brag, but I was the one that said to Tommy Gleisner, let's get it back. So when he was on this podcast, I said, can you please bring that show back? And he said, if we bring it back, will you come on it? I go, as much as I can. <laughs> and now it's back. So you're welcome, Australia. Oh, you're going to... Love that. And uh, when you meet people in the street, they go, oh, they tell you, don't they? They tell you in advance what the, yeah. the scene is. They don't. They push you. No. You're, you're sort of kept in the dark and literally 30 seconds before the scene, they push you into, I think you might even have a blindfold on. You're pushed into a little room and people start Velcroing clothes onto you. So you don't even yeah. know what it is you're wearing. And Sometimes it'll you're like you're going. I've got to think of something. So if it's a police uniform, you might go. Okay, I thought I'd think of a funny name for my officer. Yeah. And then they push you through the door and they go, Officer Jenkins, uh, thanks for joining us. You go, oh, I can't do that joke. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. most times, yeah, no stuff like that never works. No. I always say that if 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 people prepped you. Um, 90% of the show would just be you trying to remember what you want to say. The one everyone remembers that I did was where I was in a SWAT team and apparently they had all of these events ready to happen in my scene. There was like an entire marching band backstage Mm -hmm. and because the first one of those things didn't happen, none of the subsequent things could happen. So none of those people came into the scene. Everything went off the rails the, the yeah. cast didn't know what was going on, and what do you know? That's the one everyone mentions twelve years later. Of course. Hey, um, have you? Because now Twitter Blue is gone, and you're on Twitter. Yeah, I don't have the blue check anymore, and uh, life seems to yeah. be exactly the same. Have you had? How have you enjoyed your time on Twitter? Have you had famous people? In, have you had weird interactions with people? I've had I've had famous people like my stuff, and I've had famous people uh, send me a message now and again. So I've had um, hmm, Jim Gaffigan send oh, me a message. He's great. I love Jim Gaffigan so much. I think he's one of the. I've been trying my my absolute best to get him on his on this podcast. And I was like, oh, today, and then you popped up on the screen. So I'm not disappointed. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> I love Twitter for the, if something's happening, um, you know, and say, especially if I'm overseas, I go, what's happening um, in this area? Why is no one moving? Or why do I see a helicopter? And then people go, oh, uh, like I remember I was in Wellington um, for the, New Zealand Comedy Festival. Right. And there was just all these sirens and stuff. And I go, what's happening? And they go, oh, Will and Kate's there. Because I saw all these sirens and stuff and there was a helicopter. And they go, oh, Will and Kate is there. Or, um, you know, and then I, I was standing outside as the motorcade came past my venue. Yeah, right. And I'm like, well, I'm glad because there's no double glazed windows. So it would have been, you know, disruption in the show. So I'm glad they fucked off. But, yeah, just stuff like that. I, I like when people... 
just interact with you or like with the Jim Gaffigan thing, I um, put out right after I listened to him on a, I was on a long haul flight and I, they had all of the Jim Gaffigan albums on wow. the flight. Wow. And I laughed the whole way, yeah, the great. whole way through. And um, then when I arrived wherever I was going, I tweeted, I go, I just laughed for like solid eight hours to everything Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> and then he replied to me and we had a bit of a chat. And I was just like, this is amazing. You yes. can actually talk to people like I've tried with Dion Warwick. Oh, yeah, I've tried really? with a few others, but they don't they don't tweet back. But yeah, even uh, and I love when you're ever on a plane, go in the listen section. There's a comedy section. I've also listened to Kitty Flanagan's got stuff on there. Yeah, great. Who's oh fuck, who's that little Australian guy? I love him and now I can't remember his name. <laughs> a, a little Australian guy. Uh, he talks about thongs and how oh. Australians go to France and oh. then they, they go, G'day. <laughs> G'day. G'day, Dal. Um, he's got no hair. Australia. You've he's mastered short. the Australian voice. Do you spend a bit of time on the accent? Have you got a? Oh, yeah. I stayed in my apartment in Brisbane for two weeks just listening to all the soaps and stuff, trying to pick up the accent. <laughs> that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. I recommend. <laughs> I, you know, that's you, the expert way to do it. When you come to Australia, well, it's probably not so much now, but in the 80s when you said you were from New Zealand in Australia, everyone just goes, say fish and chips. We want to hear you say fish and chips. <laughs> they chop. still do that. And or say so dick. Dick is what. One, but the reverse of that for me was I loved it when you would hear an Australian say pill. I'm going out to the swimming oh, yeah, pool. Pill. Like it's spelled like yeah. jewel. Or anything with an I in it, they go up. Beach. <laughs> Fish. Fish. You know, if there's an I in it, it's like they go, like there's a glitch. Yes. That that I goes really up. I go, you don't need to pronounce the dot. That's right. You can just go glitch. Look, I mean, I think every... Everywhere in the world, and this is like when you start traveling for comedy, people go, what's the difference, you know, like how would different people in different countries take, you know, what makes us unique? I go, you're not, you're not unique. Australia's not. Every country, every single country in the world says, yeah, nah. (laughs) Yeah, nah. They just do it in different languages. South Africans say, yeah, (laughs) nah. We all do it. Everyone has that thing. And it's like. Every every single every single country says, you know, we just we love to take the piss out of ourselves, just have a beer, have a barbecue, hang with friends. Every country in the world has that. That's right. With the exception maybe of Russia and Germany. But the rest, we all have that. We all just want to hang out and chill with our family and friends. We all want to take the piss out of ourselves. And every single country in the world, when there's a big disaster, the prime minister or the mayor will come out and go. We will rebuild. We're a strong, resilient people because the alternative is too fucking grim. That's true. Can you imagine the Prime Minister coming out and going, uh, yeah, we're fucked here, yeah. guys. Um, there's no way for us to come back from this. Nah. So we're just going to scrap scrap this city and, um, yeah, we'll try we'll try a different place, different time. <laughs> Bye. i tell you something that people do love about Australia and New Zealand, I guess, is uh, the swearing. That's I find if oh, I've yeah. been to England, they if people say, oh, "I tell you a word I like, fuck knuckle." <laughs> <laughs> that's one. I think that's an Australian one. I'm assuming that. Yeah, that's an, I like it. <laughs> fuck knuckle. <laughs> it's a yeah. beautiful bit of swearing. Yeah, I love swearing. I swear all the time in my shows. 
People are always like, you have a filthy mouth. I go, thank you so much. Hi, Tony, let me ask you, what's the one thing about other people that shit you to absolute tears? <laughs> well, this is this is going to mark me as a grumpy old man, but I, as I've, I'm one of the most annoying people in the world in that I don't have a mobile phone. I've held out against the mobile phone. And so when you do that, you are extra irritated by other people's phone behaviours. And here's what I've noticed is before mobile phones, if you were driving down the shops and there was someone was getting into their car, you go, oh, I'm going to get their space, and they would drive off. But now you see someone get in their car and you go, why are they leaving? And it's because they're scrolling through their phone for five minutes. checking, yeah. So I, I get I have to say that annoys me immediately. The minute you said you didn't have a phone, I immediately got annoyed. <laughs> it is very annoying. Immediately. People, I do have an answering machine on a landline. I have email. Here's the thing. Do you I have spend- <laughs> Facts, I've got a telex somewhere. Uh, carrier pigeons can access my house. The ones who are. Oh, oh Carl Barron is the person I was thinking of. Oh, Carl, so, oh, Carl Barron. Of Carl Barron. He's possibly yeah. the most. Yeah, <laughs> he's very low key. He's possibly the most popular comedian in the country, isn't he? I think so. Like, but but then I'm like, where does he where does he live? Where does he work? Like, no. I don't I don't ever run into no, him. You never see him at the the basement or just at a normal no. venue. But he must be running that material in somewhere. Somewhere it's like, where is he? I've only the only time I've ever worked with Carl Barron is in Montreal oh, at yes. a little club, a little comedy club down an alleyway somewhere, and I was like. How the fuck is it possible? The first time I've laid eyes on Carl Barron when he's not been on stage and me and him in the same room working was in this little comedy club in Montreal. Yeah, he's a renegade. He's, you know, plowing his own furrow, isn't he? Hey, um, what's the thing about you that shits you to death? When I'm in the car, especially if I'm on my own, I just turn into a monster, into, into the incredible hulk of fury. It's just me swearing and yelling at people in a way that I would never do if it was just walking up the street. There's a second aspect to it that I realised recently, which is a very unfortunate shallowness. Like if I'm yelling at someone, what are you doing? And then they get out of the car and it's an attractive person, I just completely forgive them and they get a pass. Yeah, yeah. No, but that's how it works. It's the same, but attractive people are in a different world. Have you ever seen, like, if you're attractive, you go missing or whatever, everyone's on board, we've got to find you. But if you're ugly, so you're going to have to look at yourself in the mirror and go, I better live a good life. I cannot go missing and I cannot get shot because no one's going to give a shit. They're never going to find my murderer. <laughs> that's right, but if the murderer turns out to be really hot, they might give that. You go, what did this guy do to deserve this bullet in the face? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the, people spend more money on weddings and stuff when they, because I always say, like in audiences, I go, are you guys married? Right. And they go, no, I can't afford it just yet. Uh. And they're attractive. I go, yes, you can. <laughs> I go, ugly people get married for next to no money. <laughs> you can see ugly people get married all the time, but then beautiful people like, we're still saving. I'm like, you could do it. You could do it on the cheap, but you don't want it because you're attractive and you're, you're getting the good photographer and the good flowers and where's the ugly people go, we can just get Jerry to take the photos, <laughs> you know, and Jerry's out there with his Samsung on a tripod, yeah. you know. Like <laughs> I've been at a wedding where a guy took all the photos on his Samsung phone. I'm really? like, this is not going to be good. <laughs> no scented mist for the uh, all no. the <laughs> No, it just smelled like the street market. <laughs> They were getting married at the street market. They were at the wet market. They got married in Wuhan in 2019. (laughs) Too soon. It's too soon. 
Hey, Tony, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks, such a nice Stella. chat with you. Love your work. If you enjoyed this podcast with Tony, you're going to love the one I did with Nazim Hussain and how his sister's poo saved the whole family. Honestly, a fibre-rich diet can save your life. Who knew? Go give it a listen. Go on. Download it. Subscribe. Tell all of your mates. Hello, Mum. Thanks for listening to this episode of That's Enough Already, hosted by me, Ursula Carlson, and produced by Natalie Turner. The supervising producer was Nick McClure, and special thanks to Ella Leaf and Beck Sutherland. Couldn't do it without you, gals. If you like this podcast, remember to subscribe, share it with all of your friends, tell your mum, tell your sister, don't tell that annoying brother of yours, you know, but definitely share it with a friend. 